Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to, yeah, another Italian football podcast. I am Connor Clancy, your usual host, back again. And I'm joined by just one lonely soul this evening, Kev Pogzelski. Hello. Hi, Connor, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. This is this is different, isn't it? Just the two of us? Just us. No how are, you feeling about are, you, are you happy? Are you sad? Do you miss him? Uh, oh, I always miss Vito. You always miss Vito. Yeah, of course. A familiar friend on the other side of the world. Yeah, I mean, he's a nice guy, isn't he? He's good. Right, so, Kev, we're, we're not here to flirt with each other. We're, we're here to talk about Serie A, aren't we? There, there's been another round of fixtures, even since we last spoke, which feels like about 36 hours ago. There have been 10 matches. <laughs> and I'm really struggling to keep up right now. So... This podcast is going to be a little bit of a different format to to usual. I'm just going to list the scores at the beginning. We'll see what tickles our interest, and we'll we'll just go from there. Um, so on on Tuesday evening, Torino lost two one at home to Lazio. Juve beat Genoa three one. Cagliari and Bologna drew one each. Inter thumped Brescia six nil, all but sending them down to Serie B. Sampdoria got a big win away at Lecce two one. Sassuolo beat Fiorentina 3-1. Spal and Milan. Or Milan couldn't beat 10-men Spal in Ferrara. They drew 2-2. And Verona beat Palmer 3-2 in a crazy game at the Bentegodi. On Thursday evening, then, Atalanta beat Napoli 2-0. They kept the clean sheet. It turns out they can actually defend. And Roma lost for the second consecutive match 2-0 against Udinese. Last time we spoke, I told you Udinese were going to start getting results. They did. But, Kev, um, the the results on Thursday evening, obviously Roma's loss against Udinese and Atalanta beating Napoli. 
it kind of kills off any interest in the Champions League race. Yeah, I think um, although I kind of expected Napoli to give uh, Atalanta a tougher test, um, Roma losing to Udinese when they knew it wasn't necessarily just who they faced, but they knew that they had ground to make up. You know, they were already a, a significant sort of um, gap between them and, and, and Atalanta, and they were well. I must admit, I was watching this with one eye elsewhere, but it it was mediocre, really. Um, I, I saw Alistair McKenzie saying that they were actually better after they went down to ten men, but there was just a certainly towards the the last sort of half an hour of the game, there was sort of a, an air of inevitability about the Roma players that they knew they'd sort of missed their chance. But is this just not? Roma doing what Roma always do, in that they don't hit their full potential. They they always leave a little bit to be desired, and it's just more of the same. I've seen that Paolo Fonseca is coming under a bit of pressure at the moment in Rome, and I don't know about you, but I think that's quite harsh. I think the job he's done, given the circumstances of like, what you've got the pandemic, you've got the ownership issues, you've got the trouble behind the scenes, and you've got the fact that it's his is his first season. I think he's done quite okay, no? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can leave the um, the, the pandemic out of it. Purely the ownership and the, the goings-on behind the scenes are, are enough to to deal with when you're, you know, you have just come into, and, you know, he's come into a new league. You know, it's not it's not as if it's his first season and he's, you know, he's come from a, a lower um, Italian uh, side or anything else. He's coming into a new league. So it's a new group of players that he's got to work with. And they've done okay, but you know, there's it always astounds me when you think about some of the major cities across Europe and how few sort of titles, not just that Roma and Lazio have won, but how many they challenged for. It's almost this uh, this thing that they've got, this uh, this way of just not sort of being a what do they call it, a finisher completer, but not there even the title race, I, I should say. But you'd think they would have put a a stronger case for themselves to have been challenging for Champions League places. You'd have hoped so, right? And it is a bit... I'm not going to say it's disheartening, obviously, because my bias means that it's not disheartening for me. But from a neutral perspective, you would have wanted that race to go a little bit further. Atalanta are now 12 points clear of Roma and 15 clear of Napoli. I mean, it's done. The, The top four will be the top four at the end of the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's just cemented it now. Um, yeah, but I suppose like <laughs> Udinese deserve a little bit of credit, right? They they hadn't won since January. They had only won twice on the road all season, and then they went to the capital and beat beat Roma. Like, are we gonna give them credit? Or are we gonna say that it was Roma, so it doesn't really count? Um, we could say that they probably played the best one-two. This season, <laughs> with is the, that an uh, award now? Is that what Messi and Ronaldo have reduced us to? We're giving out awards for that. I don't know. I just it was it was only when I realised that the pool's shank across the box had <laughs> fell back to the very person that had crossed it. it made me think, well, that's that's actually quite a good one too, even if it was not intended. I don't think that's. Ever something you can give them credit for, particularly not Rodrigo de Paul, who's capable of producing something quite exquisite. So don't be giving him credit for fleet 
passes. What, that yeah. passes. I mean, that's what drew me to watch it because it drifted. You know, it stayed in the air for so long. It drifted over, and I thought, right, he's he's gonna absolutely hammer this, and he's gonna work the goalie at the very least. He's just gonna hit it, even if he hits it straight down the goalkeeper's throat. It's gonna be with you know a fair bit of power because he's got so much time to sort of to hit it, and he he absolutely uh, miscued it and uh, sent it across the box. But yeah, I, I don't know. Down the other end of the table, I'm not sure if Udinese are completely out of it, but you know this would suggest that they will pick up enough points to keep themselves clear. We'll talk but, about the bottom uh, bit in, in just a little bit because it is quite an intriguing bunch mm-hmm. forming down there. Um, but back up to the top, I mean, the, the Atalanta-Napoli game was quite curious because Atalanta kept a clean sheet, you know, and <laughs> that's quite a strange thing. And I was struck by the way they played. Because Gasparini quite clearly sent them out there to do a job. And that job was was not to do what they usually do. They were happy to let Napoli have the ball. And then there was, what, like basically a 10-minute spell where Napoli weren't on top. And Atalanta scored twice in that 10-minute spell, showing just how freely they can score goals. But Atalanta showed a side to them that we've never quite seen before. And that could bode well for the Champions League as well. Yeah, it was it was a very cagey first half, and like you say, that was more out of design than the Napoli forcing Atalanta to to sort of cede uh, possession to them. They they seemed to uh, allow them to have the ball for a lot of that first half, and again, it was almost get past uh, get past half time, and then you know go and grab those goals that we need. And like you say, it, it I was gonna I was gonna say something stupid then, like it shows a bit more tactical um, awareness from Gasparini, but actually that, that does him a great disservice. But like you say, it, it does bode well for the Champions League where they're going to come up against sides where they're going to have um, to whatever much, much less of the ball or, you know, not so much of a swashbuckling style as they go all out for attack. You know, let's say they, they draw the likes of, uh, well, even, even uh, RB Leipzig, who are probably going to get past uh, Tottenham, if Atalanta went at them full power, you've seen the way that sort of Leipzig can pick teams off, and then you've got some of the big hitters in there, like uh, City will probably get past Madrid. and Yeah, it, it, it could bode well for the Champions League. I don't want to think about Atalanta having to play City again after what happened at the Etihad, to be honest with you, because I know the, the result at San Siro went differently, but the Etihad won is the one that really sticks um, because Atalanta didn't even play badly there and they got pumped 5-1. But Inter beat Brescia 6-0. 6-0. And I saw them at the weekend, Inter that is, they weren't very good. Is this more of a damning indictment of just how poor Brescia really are than it is praise for, for Inter? I wondered how Inter would perform when I saw their lineup. He sort Conti switched a few things around, but you know where we've just praised Atalanta for that sort of rear guard action. Brescia, they they actually attacked Inter. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that led to their goals, but they almost went about it from a a viewpoint that. We've got it. We we wins. You know, draws are no good now. There's no point us sitting off off Inter and picking up a point. They're so far behind. 
So there's something quite refreshing about that. But, you know, eventually the scoreline just reinforces the fact that they're not good enough at, at either end of the pitch this season, you know, in, in comparison to the other, well, 19 teams in the in the league. Um, they so, are yeah. by far the worst team, right? I know Spal technically came into this round as bottom, but Brescia are a far worse side than Spal are. Yeah, they are. I don't know. I mean, I was just... I think it was because of the, the attitude that Brescia took to the inter-game. And then uh, probably this afternoon I watched, um, recorded the the full Milan game with Spau. And actually then Spau just annoyed me because they should have seen that game out at 10 minutes. There were so many times when I thought, why are you clearing that ball? It would drop to one of the fullbacks and they were just clearing it into sort of aimless positions where the, the Milan players would pick it up and then just, you know, start again probing at trying to get the goals back. And, you know, and this was at 2-0 up. And, it, you know, it, it was. It was it was well into, was it 10 minutes? I think they score on 82, I think, Milan got their first goal. Uh, so maybe, maybe I'm just still... 79, I think it was. Yeah, so maybe I'm just still a little bit annoyed that, that Spawn couldn't hold on. You know, and just it was, you know, it was a bit like diving in for the um, for the own goal that they got, or the yeah. fact that um, when uh, Liao got the ball before he sort of stroked it home, it was Liao's composure that he sort of stroked the ball home after a, a spell defender had just run straight at him and slid in, expecting. God, there was a yeah. I was going to go before that as well. Like, like yeah. Milan's two goals came from from spell mistakes. Milan didn't actually create anything in that game. The the ball from I think it was Laxalt for the first goal just bounced off uh, Nenatomovic, who seemed surprised the ball arrived at him. I was thinking you're defending with your backs against the wall. I couldn't believe how bad his reaction was. And then, as you say, when it fell for Leao, someone else just flew in. Thinking, oh, they lost their heads as as soon as that Leao goal went in. Though you knew Spal weren't getting out there with three points because. Their heads were just gone. I did the report, so I was watching it live. You probably knew the score when you were watching it back, did you? I, or, I had, yeah, I had because I had the scores coming in, but I chose to watch uh, Verona Parma because, I, well, I was right to be honest. Um, it was a far more entertaining game, but yeah, I, so I, I knew the scores. I was probably watching to see what they were doing wrong. But before Milan scored either of their goals, there was a five-minute spell that you just thought they're panicking. And if one goes in here, there is no chance that they're getting they're getting away without conceding a second. And that's exactly what happened. It was kind of heartbreaking for them, though, right? Because it's one of those games that if Spal can beat Milan with 10 men, then they move up onto 21 points. Then all of a sudden, they're only five points off safety. I mean... And then, what, they've won four, two of their last four games. They've got a bit of momentum. They've beaten Milan. And I know it's this Milan, but it's, it's still Milan. And, yeah. and they had 10 men. Maybe they'll do something. And they had 10 men, exactly. You know. But to concede in that fashion so late on, you could see they were just completely broken. Di Biagio had been sent off, and the camera panned to him immediately. And you just see he was like, oh, well, kind of that's us. And you do get that impression now. Pressure done. Um, even though they're only one point behind Spal, I would give Spal so many more 
so much more chance of surviving than Brescia, but I don't yeah. think Spal will do it now, unfortunately. Uh, there's still nine games left, so it's not impossible, but uh, it's not. But it's, that, it's the confidence that you take from even grinding out a 2-1 win, say, with 10 men, to reversing a 2-1 win with an own goal as well. So it's not it's not like you've howled. Uh, I, I was going to go straight for Juventus, but let, you know, a, a Milan of old. It's not like you've you've howled a Milan of old to a two-two draw, and you kind of come away a little bit pleased with yourself. They they should they should with the advantage they had and with how few minutes were left, have been able to see that game out. Yeah, it just shows how frail the their confidence is, though, right? They've been it's like basement dwelling for the last year, and it's it's just so easy to break that frail confidence when you're when you're at the bottom. And I'm trying to check just who their next game is against. It's going to be an interesting one. I do think it will be one worth watching. They're away. Oh, they're playing Samp away, and given how Samp performed away at Lecce, I know they won. But given their performance, you wouldn't write Spal off in that one. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mm. Or would you? It sounds like you might. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry, I was just looking back over my... Because, again, like you said earlier, there's so many games coming. You Everything sort of merges into uh, one week. Um, I, I only saw the highlights of Lecce Sampdoria this week, but they didn't... They didn't they didn't look as though they necessarily deserved their two-one win. Um, spell off from from vague memory now with everything merging together. 
I think there's been a couple of performances where you you felt a little bit bad for them for not getting a little bit more, you know, and, you know, and those weren't performances where they lost points through, through mistakes. It was just, you know, pure bad luck or being overpowered. So, I don't know, maybe we'll have to see. But I, whatever happens, I think Spal and Brescia are done. Uh, I, I'm, I do agree, but I'm trying to, like, put a case forward for Spal. I think they've got a chance. I don't think Brescia have any hopes because every time I've seen Brescia, they've been horrid as well. Whereas when I see Spalla, I see something. There genuinely is something there. I've only watched them on the television since Di Biagio took over, granted. I've not seen them in the flesh yet. Maybe I will soon. But I don't know. I will be watching Lecce on Saturday, though, Kev, because I'm off to Reggio Emilia. For Sassuolo Lecce and Lecce are very much in that fight so they're another team who I've seen how many times have I seen them this season twice and both times they were terrible but when I watch them on TV they don't seem that bad so I'll be keeping a keen eye on how they get on excuse me I'm tired <laughs> just trying to hold back on there but there you go uh, so I don't know Fiorentina Sassuolo that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know about that because I kind of, I jotted down. Um, I actually, I think I'm probably had this game on the main screen because I had to watch Parma Verona um, on another, and I felt quite pleased because they've shown signs recently that they, they you know, again, they're one of these teams that, that haven't really got what they deserve. I think when we came back after lockdown, they got smashed or whatever we call it but 4-1 I think Atalanta beat them and then they they had a couple of games where they probably should have won yeah they drew 3-3 with Verona where they mm. played really well and and 3-3 and, and with three, someone three else yeah so I kind of I maybe my my, my view of it was um, sort of coloured a little by the fact that I, I thought those previous two games they'd actually done enough to come away with three points so I was quite pleased that they got past uh, Fiorentina, but they were just really efficient when they broke on them. They were just they were just away, and it it was it was arguably more about uh, Fiorentina's failings than than Sassuolo, although they obviously took their goals well. Lazio beat Torino two one. Came from behind, second best team coming from behind in in Italy this season after Atalanta, and it's no real surprise. Ciro Mobile scored again, and. What might be a surprise is Marco Parola got the eventual winner with 18 left. And Sassuolo needed that, or not Sassuolo, Lazio needed that, right? After the, the disappointment of the the Atalanta game, they obviously bounced back with the win against Fiorentina. And now they've gone and followed that up with another win against Torino. And this is what they have to keep doing, right? Just grinding out these wins. They've got Milan at home next. And it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I think I say say first. I think they have enough for Milan. But when I sat down to watch these games on Tuesday, it it, it was the it was the right way around because Lazio had lost against Atalanta. You know they were going ahead of Juventus. I think if I think if Juventus had gotten that result against Genoa before them, um, I don't know that might have knocked the stuffing out of them a bit. But instead, they knew they had to sort of keep pace with them. They were. 
Uh, very unfortunate, let's face it, to go behind because the, the penalties, the, the ball struck Immobile's arm more than he sort of put his arm out to stop it. I know he's charging the ball down, but, you know, I think if his arms aren't there, it's hitting him in the sort of the, the mid midriff, the sort of abdomen area, uh, and probably just dropping dead. But, um, yeah, he took his goal well. Uh, and then Parolo, you could see the look on Sirigu's face when the deflection kind of just took it past him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the but the pressure was growing by that point. You it was one of those where you saw you saw a goal coming because they you know Torino were spent at that point. You mentioned Juve obviously beat Genoa again, not impressing. Um, it was really because of three wonder goals. They were set off on their way by Pelo Dybala, his latest example of why Juve were stupid to ever try to sell him last summer. Three games in a row now, he's produced moments of magic. And is it fair to say that without him, they wouldn't be top of Serie A? Yeah, probably. He's been their standout performer. Um, I mean, they were, they were lucky, really, against Genoa because um, Mattia Perrin was having an absolutely phenomenal first half. He was keeping everything out. And you thought, oh, there's, there's, there's the narrative that we're going to be writing about that he's, because they're, oh, well, I was going to say he didn't get a fair crack of the whip at Juventus, but I'm not. I'm not really sure what he expected to get when he when he yeah, left. Yeah, I think he got what he expected, right? Uh, he probably got what he deserved for leaving. Mm. I'm not saying he was wrong to leave Genoa necessarily, but maybe wrong to go to Juventus where they already had Chesney and then they brought in Buffon. Whether he knew Buffon was coming, so I believe he arrived afterwards. Mm. But you know, there was there were probably better career moves out there for him. Um. But yeah, so I think that kind of set it up. It was, it was probably, it probably fitting that then it took three strikes of that quality to beat him rather than you know him making a mistake. Although, for maybe a, maybe a small moment, I kind of said that the Dybala strike was quite close to him, and he maybe could have got a little bit more on it. But it's so low. Yeah, um, it's hard yeah. to get down there that quickly, right? Yeah, and he gets the shot off so quickly, really. But. Um, but yeah, I it's, well, it's coming to that time of the season where you're thinking about your your players of the year, your team of the year, and if Juve go on to lift the title, then you've got to put Dybala right up there. We look at the bottom, right? You've got Lecce 18th on 25 points. If that's kind of what you're talking about as being the cutoff of teams who could possibly stay up, it probably goes as far high as Torino 13th on 31. So that's six points there. You've got Torino, Fiorentina, Udinese, Sampdoria, Genoa, Lecce. One of those is probably going to get relegated. The other five is it should be okay. Yeah, you'd think so. You still tipping Udinese to go down, or is it just that you want them to go down? No, I've I've kind of because I, I jotted the I jotted the table down at the bottom of my notes. And when it got to Sassuolo, I started another section which begins at Fiorentina with sort of 31. So I'm kind of giving everybody below 37 points, <laughs> giving them the chance to go down, if that's the right, if that's the right phrase. Um, you know, they, you're hanging they, the threat of relegation over them, basically. Yeah, they 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 could. Like you say, it's they're still. You'd think that the probably. Those three on 31, Fiorentina, Udinese and Torino, have got enough games left to pick up enough points to not be 
sitting there with a threat of relegation within maybe the last two or three weeks of the season. But the thing strange. about Fiorentina that, though is they just don't win enough, right? They've they've had ten draws this season, which is more than anyone in Serie A. They've only won seven times, and even Udinese and Sampdoria have won more than them. So the only teams with fewer wins this season are Genoa, Lecce, Spal, and Brescia. I think Fiorentina yeah, yeah. might be in a bit of bother, but they do have Frank Ribery back now. If he can stay fit, I'd imagine they'll stay up. If he gets injured again, I think they'll go down. <laughs> I'm putting their hopes on Frank Ribery. Yeah, I suppose I think if they draw half their games now from the rest of the season, I think they probably can stay up on 35 points because other sides will perform worse than them. And I'm thinking those other sides being one of Samp, Genoa, and Lecce. So, yeah, that's probably why I I probably don't really, you know, I only include Fiorentina in there because they've got 31 points. But Yeah, well, 38 was enough for Genoa to survive on goal difference or head-to-head or goal difference last season. Um, you're thinking it could be less than that this year to survive? Yeah, possibly. Um it looks like you know we're seeing that in so you know we've seen that in some other European leagues. I mean, this weekend, well, I was going to call it a weekend, but this round of fixtures, it's hard to judge. Sort of Genoa and Samp, who went into the round of fixtures on the same points, but Samp have played uh, a relegation rival, whereas Genoa have had to go to the the you know the reigning champions. Mm. Um, and you know, and obviously, as you said, Samp have got. Um, God, who did you say earlier? Sam have got this week. Lecce. Lecce. No, they played Lecce. No. Spal. Spal. You know, so again, um, if they if they if they draw that, I don't know. I suppose Sam would be really happy with four points off of their relegation rivals. Would they? Well, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, I think the the more the more crucial points are the three that they've got off Lecce. Yeah, because it, yeah. Now, it now gives them a, a bit of breathing space, and if they just sort of kind of if 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 Spal don't beat them, they kind of condemn Spal with also picking up another point. Obviously, they'll be at home. I think you indicated yeah. that they were home. So yeah, it, yeah, it's you know if you look at the other European leagues, you know we 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 started this saying that the Champions League places were sort of done, and you know they they are. It's one of the few leagues, <laughs> we've got a few leagues still going, that have got, you know, it, it's still very, very tight at the top, the European places and at the bottom. Um, there's a lot to be positive about from that respect. It is only the, sorry, I don't know if you looked at me there. I was trying to kill oh, a mosquito no. and you looked oh. confused. Um, no, yeah, other than the Champions League places, everything is still to play for. The title's still on the line. The Europa League places are still on the line and survival's very much still on the line. So it's not the worst league to be to be following for what's left of the season. Um, and I can tell you one thing is for sure, once more and more things become more and more apparent what's going to happen, we'll be doing fewer podcasts and we won't be doing one every three days. But um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to find the fixtures again because it showed how tired we both are. That we just spoke about Sam Fletcher. You asked me who was Sam for playing next, and I said Lecce. Um, next round of fixtures is actually quite interesting, though. You know, you've got the Derby della Mole between Juventus and Torino. 
Sassuolo Lecce, hashtag FIF at the games, and Lazio Milan. They're all my computer is saying tomorrow, but obviously that's because we're way into the early hours of Friday morning, right? So they're on Saturday. Then we've got Inter Bologna, Sampdoria, Spal, Cagliari, Atalanta, Brescia, Verona. Oh, interesting one. Uh, Udinese, Genoa, Parma, Fiorentina, and Napoli, Roma on Sunday. So the next round of fixtures is played over just two days, which means we'll be doing this even sooner than we would like to be, and then we should be, because these rounds of fixtures are supposed to be played over three days each. So, Kev, unless you've anything else to add, we'll put a bullet in this now, and yeah. we'll reconvene on Sunday evening with our Australian friend. 48 hours, Connor. Wow. Is Today it? is Thursday night. 48 hours will be Saturday night. Okay. So 72 hours. 72 hours, sorry. You're not a yeah. mathematician. Oh, actually, that, makes, that, that makes it sound a bit better, or feel a bit better. What? No, I don't love seeing your face, but, but I'm not going to be saying? sat here again in 48 hours. <laughs> no, mate, it's grim, to be honest with you. Uh, it, too, many, too many things happen. It's impossible to just know what you're talking about as well at times, because you think you're talking about one game, and then you get confused with another one. But um, looking at your beard there now... Um, mm. I saw a certain person do something quite important in a different country's football title race this evening, and I saw his beard, and I thought, that beard looks familiar. And then you popped up on my screen tonight, and I thought, oh, Kev looks like the Real Madrid captain, Sergio <laughs> Ramos. You've both got that, like, it's, there's a little bit of, um, oh my God, I don't know the word. It's a little bit wild. Both oh yeah, this hasn't, been, this hasn't been trimmed. Uh, uh, what was it? Somebody told me I could get oil. Is there such a thing as beard oil? There is, yeah. Yeah, no, this has just been completely left. Yeah. Although a couple of weeks ago, I saw that very person with a little, they have sort of like a little ponytail, if that's called a ponytail in there. They, I'm yeah. not, 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 not at like, all surprised by that. <laughs> Yeah, not like the uh, Fiorentina goalkeeper. Who's that? Uh, Barta. Drangovski. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna get. Yeah, I was about to say another, another, another fellow Pole that I was get the pronunciation wrong. No, because his first name is Bartholomew or something. Difficult to pronounce. Oh, I, I, I perfected yeah. this before the break. Yeah, Drangovski. Drangovski, apparently, Kev. Okay, yeah. I've had this checked. Okay. Well, I can't comment. I was getting my name wrong for years, but yeah. Remember the time you corrected me on the pronunciation of your name? And I was like, hang on, you told me before. Yeah, it was only because uh, a, a concierge kept on bothering me every time I checked in at this same hotel all the time. And he corrected you on your name? He, he was he was um, a fully-fledged pole uh, mm. working the uk and he corrected me actually i also had a a, a a blood donation nurse correct me as well so it wasn't just one person I, i've clearly been getting it wrong for many many years i'm not surprised kev can you just like move up a little bit more i have no, got a right. shirt on. there you go that'll do that'll do just just stay there like that for a moment stick your tongue out like there we go thank you very much 
yeah. probably going on Twitter. Um, right, Kev, <laughs> say, say goodbye. Goodbye. We'll be back on Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever. See you soon. Bye bye. Spa, 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 magica spa, magica tu. Allo stadio mazza è una cosa pazza, una festa universale. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.